Happy Friday. Rescue Rangers. I don't know what that is. But we are writing a book and she keeps singing it while we're writing it. And I don't know what's happening. It's not. Leah has been singing this tune today a lot. And it's because she's writing a ranger, park ranger book. Her and Mel. Her and Mel writing it. Alexa's uh, in the uh, Camp Hardwood. The I forget what the we call it. The first book is Camp probably Hard- out now. Yeah, the first one's out now. Yeah, because today's the right. fifth. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, so today's the first one's out in the Campfire Chronicles. If Amazon is liking us. Yeah, if Amazon's good to us, Married in the Mountains is out today. <laughs> and if you uh, you like that one, there's more where that came from. <laughs> if you more. don't, fuck you. The month of July is going to suck for you <laughs> if you don't like it. <laughs> so you said that the Park Ranger book is especially nasty. Oh my god, it's so fucking filthy. So like the one that came out today, it's it's kind of, it's still it's actually, really, really dirty. It's, but it's... I mean, the parents' book, like the people that run this camp, is ending up to be the tamer of all the yeah. books. Like it's like the sweet Which I'm one, surprised. and then it's like the rest is like filth. Well, and like the the husband's really dominant, and there's like a hint of BDSM, and so his son's book is the third book in the series. Like her, the husband and wife, their son's book is in this uh, month of July, and he's like full on like tying his girl up. So like apparently the gene got stronger as the line <laughs> went on. But um, but like the mom and dad are a little a uh, little bit aggressive in their lovemaking, if I if I dare if I dare say, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I dare say. So, so Married in the Mountains is out today, and it's about a married couple who runs this really awesome camp, and um, everybody fucks at this camp. Apparently, <laughs> it's like everybody's super horny at this uh, location. So all right, so that's the first book in the series is out today. Again, it's the Married in the Mountains, but so. The second book, Rescued by the Ranger, which keeps like spurring the Chippendale theme song in my mind, but that we that finished is? that. <laughs> yeah, it's the it's Chippendale's theme song, the Rescue Rangers. My innocent mind um, didn't know that. No, oh, there you go. <laughs> the danger would be behind you. Yeah. Yes. That's all I know. That's it. Keep going. I want to sing the whole fucking song now. But um, obviously, Mel wasn't a latchkey kid who was left at home <laughs> to her own devices because that's what I would do when I got home was watch cartoons. But, um, but yeah, so no, the Rescued by the Ranger, like, we started writing it, and I don't know what happened. You know, we've talked about this before. Yeah, what Sometimes happened when was you meet him. Moose. Yeah, his name's Moose. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> when we met him on the page, he was a big, horny, just beast. Horny? So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't catch that. <laughs> I didn't get that. <laughs> But he's like, like there's just he's nasty, and like there's just so much filthy. Like they have sex like ten times in this fifteen thousand word book. <laughs> like it's just nothing but sex and sex. I just read can't. the first sex scene, and I was like, yeah, it was hot. <laughs> 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 I was like, are you horny over there or something? I was like, I was Jesus. like, yeah, I am. I am now. <laughs> She just can't stop this, taking yes. out that big old bullwinkle dick. Oh my god! There's the one scene stop. that I was like, he did not just do that. We ain't did. What did he do? And then, no, you tell her. No, you can't. Wait, you can't leave me hanging. No, we'll Even tell you next week when it's like, like, oh, okay. 
We'll tell you next week when we record. Do you stick his tongue in her butthole? That's normal. I mean, there's that, but that's normal. Yeah, (laughs) this is different. That's normal, right? I'll tell you this. Do you stick someone else's tongue in her butthole? No! (laughs) What's your obsession with buttholes? wrote the epilogue today and she's like she's super pregnant she's so big and swollen like she can't even wear clothes so she's just walking around naked and the only thing that makes her feel and the only thing that makes her feel better is to come so she's just constantly making her come and but she like her milk's come in so like she's just leaking everywhere from every hole oh just every she's leaking everywhere and he's just spending his whole day like mouthing her clean so yeah oh my god no it's it's wonderful it's awful and wonderful so that book comes out next week but i'll give you the whole epilogue i know so yeah, so there's your uh, there's your tease on the epilogue, but yeah, that comes out next week. So read Married in the Mountains today, and then you'll get to meet Moose and his girl Zara in that too. So, so oh, yeah. I can't wait. There you go. Mm-hmm. Camp Hardwood series, right? <laughs> yep. Okay. The Camp Hardwood. So we're here for the final, I guess, two or three chapters of When She's Ready by Ruby Dixon. She like broke, it was broken down, pre- it was like in part. She did it. She, then, like... she wrote the beats in for the podcast. Yeah. She wrote, she oh, like, kinda, okay. she left you at a good spot each day, mm-hmm. like both yeah. still anticipating something. Well, and we only did it two days this week, so I'm not sure like it'll how still much be of fine. it you get today. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it'll be okay. It's fun. Yeah. It's so good. You'll it's be so happy good. to have it. <laughs> I guess it has to be at this point. We have some. <laughs> um, we have some uh, questions from some of our lady listeners in Read Me Romance headquarters on Facebook. Um, so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna dive in. Is there any way? Somebody asked. Are, is there any way you guys can arrange an RMR live event? We can all attend with book signings and merch, probably in SoCal. <laughs> we can all go to Disney together. <laughs> yeah. Oh. That sounds fun. Um, I, we've talked about doing this before, but I don't know how. Because we've never recorded in the same place. I'm like, whose computer do we use? <laughs> like that, that's, those are my questions. Whose microphone? Do we each get one? How does this work? Yeah. Like, I'm going to need somebody to set it up for us first. We should record an so, episode when we're all together, though, in New York in August. Yeah. Maybe yeah, we I could like. Figure out how though? We could I do like a, a lottery to see. But do do we all just crowd around it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we all crowd around one microphone, and then we have the one program, program we use. Running. That's it. Just yeah, like we have one program yourself. running, and if it's fucked, it's fucked. We just don't have it. After <laughs> that, I guess it's just gonna be the lost episode. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's do that when we're there then. You bring your shit, Tessa, since you're driving. That's fine. And maybe we could do like a lottery to see like somebody somebody could come watch it or something. Like a like a We'll just put up a sign. Nobody's gonna come in. We'll put yeah, up huh? a sign and just be like, please come in here and sit with us. <laughs> part of me is like, no, nobody's coming, and then another part of me is like, somebody showed up here last week at my door. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? I know. It's scary. <laughs> I think it's scary great. Um, but yeah, maybe we'd make, well, I was, we'd probably end up doing it in a hotel room. So if you want to come hang out with us, like, well, we're half naked in a hotel room. No, 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 that's <laughs> not happening. Absolutely naked. not. You can shut your mouth, Tessa. Nobody's coming in my room with my pants off. 
<laughs> Not even my husband. Get out of here. I'm a vacation. Uh, <laughs> okay, so no, come. Let's book a ballroom. What did you say? <laughs> let's book a ballroom. We'd can have we to have book like a conference room and do it that way. We can do that. Yeah. We'll announce it at our table. A Panera? <laughs> what? <laughs> What's wrong with you? You're Everybody, please be quiet. Please. <laughs> We send points. Lola the episode. She's going to say, I quit. She's going to t- close her laptop, walk away from it, and we'll never hear from her again. <laughs> Did you say Tessa was going to do that? No, I said Lola. Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Lola's never going to do it. Our, pro- our podcast like, producer. I was, was going to say, Tessa's not going nowhere except to Target. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Oh, we just want to, like, cut your soft underbelly. We just want to stick a knife in it. You guys build me up on Monday, and then you break me back down on Friday. We love you. You're accepted. Take her down. This is like a, oh, I did see this preview for a movie um, yesterday, or yesterday the day, but it was about, like, this girl gets initiated into, like, a basketball team or something, and they end up killing her by mistake, and what? it was, like, based on true events. I was like, man, I never got initiated into shit. Like, I felt really left out watching this, even though this chick died, and, you know, whatever. But, like, I felt really bad, because I was like, man, I never got initiated into something. Like, I never got in the gang where I got, like, beat in or nothing. Like, I don't know. I feel like Twitter does some beatings. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Twi- romance, romance Twitter is, is definitely... Oh my like god! A, a, just like That's a like full on MS- like continuous initiation. <laughs> it's like MS 13s up in there. So yeah. the body OS techas. Go- yeah, watch Gangland. What's up? I know them all. <laughs> <laughs> so come, so yeah. come versus come, like C O M E. Oh, that's your next question. Oh, back to like, the questions. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I was like, what? Okay, back to the ahead. questions. Come versus come in sex scenes. So C O M E versus C U M. I know you guys like C U M, and I like C O M E. Why do you like C O M E? I don't know. <laughs> you just you're, I, like. I it's think. Just what you're I used think to. when I see the word come, C U M, I think of a girl. With a mouthful of cum, trying to talk. <laughs> cum. I swear to God. Because I might be in. I think of a girl trying to talk with a mouthful of cum. I don't know why. It's like cum. I think. <laughs> okay, but if you say he's coming. like she can't pronounce the O because her mouth is full this is of killing cum. me. I love this episode. Keep going. <laughs> if you refer to cum. Like, you're like, his cum is on me. His cum is, how do you spell it? C-O-M-E. Even if it's the actual like, substance? Yeah. Yeah. Do you, oh. Some authors do. I, say, some authors I, do. I feel like that's C- not grammatically correct. Not that I have the best grammar, but I feel like. <laughs> I mean, the fact that you couldn't say grammatically sort of kicks you out right now. I'm just going to say that, uh, that sort of kicks you out of the front in there, Melissa. I'm just going to throw like that out. about the actual substance, it's C-U-M. <laughs> I think C O M E sounds very ladylike, and I, I'll be honest, it sounds a bit matronly. I think come C U M is nasty, I and when I want my romance, I want it to be a little nasty. But so. you also notice now that I'm thinking about that, like whenever we write heroines, I don't let them curse very much. I yeah, know, I don't either. I'm like, and no, it's say such a double standard. <laughs> I know. Unless I go in and I hate it. myself for it. <laughs> When she's like, oh, sugar. I'm like, shit, fuck, bitch. <laughs> uh, okay. Do authors get turned on while writing sex scenes? Yes. Affirmative. Yes. Next Not question. all the time. 
<laughs> no, I mean, and I would, I would, how, what's the percentage you think it happens though? Cause it's rarer than I feel like it, people think. It takes it's literally probably, nothing to turn me on. I'm turned on right no, now. I'm turned on all the time. <laughs> so I would say, but when I write a sex scene to get turned on, I know it's good when I'm turned on. I know that it's a good one yeah. when I'm into Same. it and I'm getting it like, but that's less than 5% of the time. Really? Like, I mean, I can write a really good sex scene and not be turned on by it. Like, I can feel the emotion. I can be into it. And I can understand the character's desire. But, you know, it's not often that I get into it and I'm like, oh, shit, this is hot. Like, it's got to be really filthy for me to, like, get in it. Like, that fucking epilogue. Like, I was like, oh, my God, she's so gross. Yes. Like, I was in <laughs> she's that. She's so gross. Yeah. <laughs> she's so gross. <laughs> I, yeah, I do get, I always get turned on, uh, during sex scenes. And like, if there are some days when I'm maybe just not in the mood for it, so I just step away. But, um, yeah, yeah, I, I like have to get into a rhythm with sex scenes because I need it to be like, like, like organic and feel like it's, yeah, you know, yeah. and so yeah, I feel like it's real. If I'm writing what it about- well, then I'm turned on. Yeah. I would agree with that. I think when it's the best, it's when you're turned on. And not to say you can't write a good one without it, because I feel like I can write a good one without getting, like, super hot about it. But when I'm turned on, I'm like, this is solid gold. Like, you just feel it. (laughs) What about you, Mel? How often do you think you get turned on when you write a sex scene? I think probably at least half the time, I would think. I get more turned on with the foreplay and stuff, the leading up, the possessive moments and stuff like that. What's the hottest sex scene you've ever read? Do you have one in your head? I have one. I, I just right off the bat thought of... Let me hear it. The first sex scene in the This Man series by Joe. I was Ellen just going to say that. When he hooks her. Yeah, fuck he, I swear to God. <laughs> when he like spits on his it's hand crazy. and stuff. It's not even like... It's not even... I don't know how to describe it. Because it's in her ass, it. right? Like, it's, it's just there's ass. so much build-up. No. I this, thought so. She's at the... She's, at, like, at a... Like, there's a gala happening downstairs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's in a red dress. And uh-huh. there's just so much build-up. And he wants it so bad. He wants it so bad. And he just, bad. like, fucks her against the wall in a bathroom. And I, for I some reason... all the time. He's like, please, 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 please. He's, like, he's like begging yeah, her. Yeah, he's, like, don't begging Don't stop her. this. Yeah. Let it happen. Yeah. Don't tell me no. I gotta have it. Yeah. I want to go read that now. I know. That that's series. a good one. That's, Have you guys read the This Man one. series? Because it's like one of those, yes. it's like a, twi- it's got the twilight effect where mm-hmm. you are like, after it's over, you're like, what do I do with my life? <laughs> <laughs> Love doesn't exist out here. Like yeah. it doesn't there. <laughs> and the, the hero is probably one of the more memorable heroes in romance. His mm-hmm. name's Jesse Ward and he yeah. owns a, like a sex club. Yeah. And um he has like a tragic past and he falls for this heroine and he is like it's he's obsessed with her from the first page. Mm-hmm. It's Yeah. It's just it consumes Crazy you. Crazy obsessed. It's really good. This man series no, by Jody good... Ellen Malpas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a really good sex scene though. I've I've definitely referenced that one a few times. Yeah. Oh Do you have God. one, Mel? Can you think of one? I can't think of one off the top of my head that I remember was like, Oh my god, oh my god, probably something along to do with forced submission. Fury. Or a Look daddy at- kink or something that made me discover a new something for me. Yeah. Oh, like you mean like something new that like sparked an interest? Mm-hmm. Well, I remember when we were reading um Lorian Donner's Fury, mm-hmm. like that sex scene always stayed with me too because it was like yeah. he didn't know what to do with her. 
because yeah. he had never had sex with a human and stuff. And he was like, it was almost like he was the one that was like, I don't know. I'm just, you know, but, but not like she was the aggressor. Like he wanted to do it, but like he didn't know. Like he was just so angry at her too in the beginning. Yes. God, so I, I think that made it hot. He was so mad at her. Like, he picks her up and, like, body slams her on a table. And, like, what the fuck are you doing here? And, like, da-da-da. Because he thought she was one of the people that was, like, the scientists that was, like, hurting him. And, like, the ones that were, like, torturing his people and stuff. And But she was actually the one that, like, saved them. But he doesn't know that. And he's just so mad at her. Remember, he follows her around by the lake and stuff and, like, stalks her. Oh, my God. It's so good. I want to listen to it. I know. I'm going to read I love that book. Oh, my God. I need to reread. It's been too long. But, you know, I often think back, and I've mentioned this book before. It's On the Island by Tracy Jarvis Graves. Yeah. The you've scene, mentioned that one. That's, yeah, that's one of my favorite summer reads. I love It's a great beach read. I'm going to read that. It's really quick. But there's this, he's so eager. And he's younger than her, and he's never had sex, and she has, so she's, like, experienced, but she's, like, slow down, and he's, like, I can't, I can't, and it's, like, he just can't control himself, like, he has to fuck her. I'm here like, for that. It's just, oh my god. He's I'm just so like, here for the younger man romances right now. Like, I think it's just maybe, yeah. like, you're just in that That never right would now. have, that never would have appealed to me as, like, a 20-year-old girl, like, whereas, yeah. like, now that I'm yeah. 35... I, mm-hmm. I'm like, yes, I see that appeal so strongly. <laughs> <laughs> You're just in the zone on it. But this I, one's a good one for yeah. that because he's just like, he's so obsessed with her and he just, he wants to have sex so bad with her. He's so attracted to her. Some of the scenes and in the Crossfire series too, right? Gosh, you know, it's been so long since I've read those, but Eagle loves them. I like, remember being so hot yeah. reading those, those books in the Crossfire mm-hmm. series. Yeah. Yeah. he... He's a dominant and she doesn't, yeah, she doesn't like being held down and they both have past trauma. It's, I, I once there's depth, I love, I love when there's depth to it too. It always adds to it for me. But like I would agree with Mel, like anytime it's a new kink or something different, like when I read those Dragon Shifter books by Teal Sinclair, I was like, oh, fuck, these are hot. And then she was the first person I read Menages and I was like, oh my God, I'm dying. You know, like, those were, like, first experiences in those that were just so good. So, I'm trying to think, like, like, I remember one of, some of the first, like, series that I read was the Bella Andre, the Sullivan series. Did you guys ever read those? The, those are huge. Yeah, I know. I never yeah. read them, but the, the Sullivan series is, like, wildly popular. They're really good. They're, yeah. they're very, like, um, they're just sweet romances. And those are, like, some of the first ones I read where they're just easy, gentle, love-making sort of thing. I mean, there's hot sex in them, but, like... I got really into that series, but then I started discovering, like, erotica, and I was like, whoa, what the <laughs> fuck is this shit? <laughs> Hold up. I've been drinking Diet Coke, and there is fully leaded on the plate. Oh, let's just simmer <laughs> down from it. Let's just sample, okay? Let me get a flight of erotica, and I want to just sample all this shit out. <laughs> There's a scene in Bohemian by Catherine Nolan where, like, they are, oh, I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, but they finally are having sex, and they're, like, slamming into walls and knocking sh- yeah. Like knocking books off shelves and knocking picture frames that. off walls, and it's just des- they're just destroying this bookstore because they're mm-hmm. just so eager to get. In- but also, like what you said about new kinks, like when I started reading Cressley Cole's par- like Immortals After Dark series, I think the werewolves like they can't like they can't ejaculate the until they're. I thought the vampires can't get hard. I don't. Is that I- the Cressley Cole one? Yeah, I think. <laughs> I don't know if they can't. I think that like so the They're the werewolves can. Together with the black dagger hood, all of that. Yeah, is just like a yeah. Of 
I was just thinking that too. That was around the time I did the Black Dagger Brotherhood. So yeah. They, but what was it? The the wolves the can't werewolves ejaculate? like they can't ejaculate anywhere but their mate the first time. So like they are they jack off but nothing comes out. Oh so like my they're god. desperate to like get and they're that just angry. Out. <laughs> oh my god, they're so angry. Just walking around with that hard just dick balls full of cum. Just centuries yeah. full of cum. Yeah, and it's stored up C O M E. No, that's uh, somebody asked, <laughs> "How do you get paid for your books in, in Kindle Unlimited?" I feel like you guys can explain that better than me. How do you get paid? Not to me. She's like, I was like, "Yep, that that'd be you, Mel. Go for that." Amazon writes us a check or deposits the money. I guess it's off page count. I heard that there. I can see how much page count is read each day. I do not go in there and physically check it every day. People have asked me about it. I check it maybe once a month. I just don't do that anymore. So basically when you read – so basically authors get paid per page read. So like if you – In Kindle Unlimited. You know, yes. and then in Kindle Unlimited. So um, if your book is being read by a ton of people, Amazon pays you more. That's just kind of how it works. And Each like, time you flick the page. Each time you flick yeah, a this page. Is something, yeah. And I didn't know anything about this when I started writing romance because Kindle Unlimited had just come out and it really wasn't like – they called it the lending library back then. So it's a little different, but now it's KU. But if you have an Amazon, like you're, you have a subscription to Amazon Prime. And so let's say you like have pay whatever the, it's like $75, whatever a year to get like free two day shipping on everything. If you're part of Amazon Prime, another program on there is Kindle Unlimited. And if you guys don't know about that, then it's a, it's a program you can pay a monthly subscription. I think it's like 10 bucks, right? A month. And you can read books in their library so there's bigger authors like jk rowling who have books in kindle unlimited and out of kindle unlimited but most authors don't don't get that exception either some authors either choose to put their books in or not at all so if your books are not in this program you can sell them on amazon and any other retailer in the world barnes and noble books a million whatever if they're if you're in kindle unlimited you can only sell in there so like our books should not be for sale anywhere else except except amazon yeah, except for Karina books, because those are through our publisher. So if we have a book in Kindle Unlimited, it's in there, and it can't be taken anywhere else. But you can pay the, the monthly subscription fee and borrow it from the library as many times as you want. You can just read it, put it back on the shelf. But, yes, exactly. How we get paid on that is just like they said. Um, in the Kindle Unlimited program, every time you flip a page, we earn for whatever. For whatever the rate is, they change it each month. So based on the the rate that month is what we get paid so and then at the end of the month they just deposit to us like they do all the other authors so there you go okay so there's there's a couple of questions that came in that i think we've already covered like how do you deal with people being judgy when you tell them what you do for a living i think we've talked about that a few times yeah. right mm-hmm. i don't give a fuck that's my that's how i feel about it i don't tell people what i do <laughs> i don't care yeah we all i think we all do de- i think we all deal with it different ways yeah how do you feel about sex scenes where people don't actually have sex <laughs> oh i sometimes think those can be good yeah like, i think I've they sometimes are better even. where it's where the tease yeah where it's like you can leave it to your own imagination you know in in certain instances i wouldn't say every time Oh, I think they mean like a sex scene where black? no, like like there's no penetration or um. Oh, what is yeah? It? What was the question? It just said what was the sex scenes where people don't actually ha- like have sex. 
you know, oh, okay. like, so, like, so mutual masturbation, maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that's really hot. Yeah. We need more mutual masturbation scenes. Well, I've said that before. I think sometimes in most sex scenes, the the hottest part of the sex scene is the build up to penetration. And I think if you're writing a sex scene, that's always good to good to remember. Because it's like once the dick gets in, what, he's just going to move it in and out. I mean, you can say <laughs> hot stuff during it and make it hotter. But usually the hot stuff is what happens before. So the My- foreplay, the talk and... All that. True. My favorite part, though, was when he gets in and he's like trying not to come so she can come first. And yeah. just that struggle. Oh, I love that, though. <laughs> I do love it. I do like that. Yeah. I do like hot. that. Okay. So I have some emails from some lady listeners if you'd like to hear them. I uh, do. Okay. So here is one <laughs> I have a stripper story. So this oh, is going wow. back to two weeks ago when we talked about male strippers. And I'm right, I'm here. Wait a minute. It. Leah, who was on the bat who was on your plane from oh, Orlando? Yeah. So the um I did talk about the famous people that I met when we were in Orlando before we got on the ride. But then I forgot to mention that the guy who did the stripping, I think his name's Vinny. I had I had to ask him. From my the Jersey Shore. Yeah. Yeah, from Jersey Shore. He did in Read Me Romance headquarters, our Facebook group, somebody posted a picture of a male stripper and that's what spawned this whole conversation. Because I was like, it made me really uncomfortable to watch it. But um, but that's him. He's from the Jersey Shore. He was on behind me on the Fast and Furious ride. Like I heard somebody say, like, "Oh, Jersey Shore" or whatever. When he got in behind us with his girl, and I look back, I never watched the show, so I was like, "Oh, okay." And I just thought like they were from New Jersey. I was like, "Oh, cool." And then we got off, and they went with like a private tour guide, and our friends were like, "Oh, yeah, that was that was somebody from Jersey Shore." And I was like, "Oh shit, who is it? I need to remember so I can tell my sister and brother they love the show." So, and then I forgot. <laughs> so he had to like. My you brother just was, like, talked sitting. about him on the podcast. It was that's insane. I know. I know I just said, like, I don't, I was like, that guy on Jersey Shore makes me uncomfortable. And then he was fucking behind me. <laughs> and so I just want to say for the world here, John Ham's dick and my pussy makes me feel really uncomfortable. <laughs> 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 so I just want to put that out there. <laughs> Oh my god. Just in case the universe is listening. Just in case you know? it's listening. John Hamm, really? That's where you that's the I that know. was your number one? Oh, girl. You love John Hamm. I didn't know that just about look you. At him. Just look at him. There's a there's an episode oh, of Mad Men where they go on like a slight BDSM tangent. Have you ever yeah. seen that episode? Oh yeah. A- every in the episode. final season? Like where yeah. he like he's got a girl in a hotel that woman in a hotel room yeah. and he's like mm-hmm. don't talk or sit down and he's like plays a di- he's almost like yep. a dom a dom oh it's I mean, so hot let me uh, tell you i've got three favorite lines that john ham ever said on it and one of them is that one of them somebody looks at him and says how do you sleep at night he says on a bed made of money <laughs> love that <laughs> that is great number two is when he go when after peggy this is in like the first season i think when peggy has her abortion and she's in or oh, she gives the baby up for adoption and she's Spoiler. in like the hospital. Oh, it's it happens in like season one. Okay, this was ten years ago. You should have watched it already. But he goes in the hospital and he sits down and looks at him and he says, "It never happened. It will shock you how much it never happened." And I was like, "Fuck, that's good." Because <laughs> I was just like, he just tells her like it never happened. Because that's just just, just keep, how keep he telling yourself. That's how he. That's lives. how he lived his life. Yeah. yeah. And he was like, "It will shock you how much it never happened." And she was like, "All right, cool." 
<laughs> it's crazy other- how they did that that whole situation it's like you weren't even really sure what was happening yeah like, it was so yeah. abstract like the uh-huh. way they did it anyways that's because it was so, so hushed back then too yeah. yeah my third favorite one that he did is there's a girl this this lady or whatever comes into his uh place and he says you want a drink and she's like it's two and she's like i don't know or whatever and he was like it's two in the morning you know what you're here for you want a drink <laughs> it was just like, oh, you're here to fuck. Like, you yeah. want this or not? Because we're going to do it. I'm going to have to go back so and watch just the whole let thing me know. again. God, my, like, what? seeing him say that, and he's like, you know what you're here for. Do you want a drink? And I was just like, oh, yes, I do. <laughs> remember, that, remember that scene where he, like, there's a scene in a restaurant when he's, like, out. I think he's out with even Betty and, like, another couple. And, like, he has affairs throughout the whole show. Oh, just, yeah. You just have to get oh, used yeah. to it. It's just, like, you know, <laughs> it's, like, yeah. I don't like it. But I'm also just, like, you just get resigned to it pretty early on because that's just his character. He's just emotionally emotionally detached from everything yeah. and everybody. So he, 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 like, I guess the man who they're having, he's having dinner with, he's been sleeping with the wife you know and she's kind of like subtly flirting with him at dinner and so that he they meet in like the hallway of the restaurant and he like takes mm-hmm. his hand puts it under her skirt and grabs her pussy mm-hmm. and he's like you better calm the fuck down yep <laughs> do you remember that scene yep yes i feel like i'm not oh like gosh. i feel like i'm not like summarizing it correctly but that's basically that's what happens that's okay. all we need to know <laughs> yeah i'm just saying okay. like, don draper with yeah. a hot one of the hottest men ever on television oh i'd say God. Just char- just character, you know, like. I think that's it too. I'm in love with Don Draper because John Hamm, in general, is a very good man who loves his wife so adoringly. It's precious. Wait, I thought they And I would up. never want to break up a marriage. But let me tell you, if Don Draper walked into my house and he had a, he had to present um, some advertising slides to me, I might offer him a highball and things get a little dicey. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. <laughs> just so you know, he he his wife and him broke up. In 2015. Okay, so th- you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> you're talking about Jennifer Westfeld, right? Yeah, they, they, yeah. I, I forgot they broke up in 2015. There has to be somebody new now. All right. Well. All right, well, slide on in there. Okay, I've been waiting on my chance all this time, so yeah. Okay, so total tangent, but here's our stripper, oh, yeah, our stripper story email. Okay, I have a stripper story. So back when I was... A young thing of 18, my mom's friend, my mom's friend decided that she should take me to my first strip club. Now I was the most awkward 18 year old ever. And so innocent. She picked me up. She picked me and my BFF up at like three in the afternoon. (laughs) And I thought that was a little strange, but I was so young. What did I know? Right? Well, we got there just as the place opened because she liked the place when it was quiet. We were the only ones there. It was so fucking mortifying because the strippers don't really come on for a while. So they were all, uh, they all hang out on stage early trying to make extra tips. My mom's friend just sat there drinking and watching them watch each other dance. <laughs> what? Some got bored and decided to try and rustle up some tips. So they decided to try and get the attention of the two obvious virgins in the crowd of three. My BFF and I endured the gyrations and come hitherness on in the extreme until one guy got super bold and threw his sweat towel at me. I'm sure his thought was to have me get up and return it to him, but it hit me in the face and I'm pretty sure I screamed and hid in the bathroom for two hours. Oh my <laughs> until God. The, until the place filled up. It was so humiliating that the back of my neck still gets hot thinking about it. Not for me. Yeah. That poor baby. <laughs> <laughs> like a story in the making. 
Oh my god, yes. A girl running from a strip club and right into the hero. Yep. And he, what's he going to the strip he, club for? No, he was outside walking by, and he, he's uh, like, he's an undercover cop. What are you cop. doing in there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you're a virgin. Why are you in there? She's like, how do you know? He's like, I can smell it on you. <laughs> that sweet smell of cotton candy and gummy bears. <laughs> <laughs> of cum, C-U-M. <laughs> you know how they trademark stuff? We're going to trademark cum, like C-U-M. We're going to say that every time. Wait, do a t-shirt with C-U-M, but the C could be like in the style of the copyright symbol. <laughs> That's cute, right? Yeah. Oh, and they're like next that. signing. They're going to have, have a little trademark on it. Trademark dirty things, I've asked. <laughs> yeah, we looked into it. Sorry. <laughs> okay, uh, this is amazing and i think i've actually read this book so somebody wrote in because we were talking about historicals a few weeks ago and um this is crazy this is batshit and i think i've read this book okay so i'm just gonna read it to you one of my favorite historical romance books is prisoner of my desire by joanna Lindsay. the heroine has to marry some old rotten guy on his wedding night and he dies before doing the deed so the heroine and her maid need a guy to complete the act Likes to get her pregnant so she can, I guess, mm. claim the inheritance. So they mm. so they kidnap someone who they think is a commoner, but he's actually a laird. Once he's knocked out and tied down, the heroine tries to get down to business, but he wakes up and he's furious. So she, since she's a virgin and clueless, she just tries to sit on his dick that isn't hard, and the maid has to give her guidance on preparing him. So she goes back in to prepare him. He isn't hard, but she seduces him, which only infuriates him more, and he's hard as a rock. She does this a few more times to get pregnant. So she ties him up and impregnates herself on this man's dick. Oh, shit. So she does this a few... What's the name of this book? Prisoner of My Desire by Joanna Lindsay. She does this a few more times to get pregnant before his men come and find him. The laird is so pissed that he takes her and ties her to the wall in his bedroom. That shit is hot and why I love and why I love this book, even though it's probably 30, 30 plus years old. Love the podcast, especially on Mondays and Fridays, your loyal listener. Nice. <laughs> so everybody go get Prisoner of My Desire by Joanna Lindsay. I feel like we should do a buddy read on that one and come back oh and talk about God, it. Oh my God, yes. I wonder how, how many pages is it, Mel? It's longer, it looks like. It's from 1991. Ooh. Well, it's like a, you know, it's like a proper historical, like, you know, think about like a paper bag you like see it. on a, your mom's That's probably shelf. some good shit, then. That's that good, good. That's that good Let's stuff. Get it. Um, okay, let me see. I've got two more here. One is, I actually have a ghost story, but it's really long, so I'm going to read it next week. God damn it, Harlequin. Why isn't this an audiobook? I <laughs> know, right? It's 500 pages! Holy shit! That's a lot <laughs> of... I'm out. Forced. Somebody read it. Cliff notes it. That's a lot of she forced uh, stuff. The, the woman. Ooh, mm. that is pretty. You like female only covers. Mm-hmm. Okay, hi, lady DJs. Thanks so much for your fabulous podcast. Oh, Until recently, DJs? what she called us, lady DJs. Lady DJs. Somebody yeah. called us that a few weeks ago, and I loved it. Yeah. I like so it. So I like, let that catch on. Yeah. Thank you so much I'm for down. your fabulous podcast. Until recently when I was reading Wound Tight and saw the link to Tessa's Facebook group, I had no idea that there were all these awesome communities for romance readers. It's been so exciting to meet new new authors and fellow readers through the Read Me Romance group. Anyway, something happened the other day that I thought would be fun to share. Backstory is, I asked my husband to knock out a particular honeydew item one weekend, and instead of doing what I asked, he spent all day installing two smart light switches in the kitchen. I had made it very clear that I thought they were stupid and a waste of money, but he bought them anyway. <laughs> We've gotten a free Google Home, and I sent my husband in, and it sent my husband into a tech tech no frenzy, which I don't. I just imagine a guy dancing. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> 
dancing in a frenzy. Yeah, yeah. I know what she means. That's definitely, yeah. And he was adamant we needed to be able to talk to our light switches. I let it go, but they kind of became a running joke between us. Fast forward months later, I was sitting in the office waiting for him to come home in in a sexy little kimono and lingerie with heels on, trying to keep the baby making process fun. When my husband walked in and saw me, he said, I had a feeling you were going to do something like this. Then he dragged me over to the kitchen counter and bent me over. He got me nice and worked up before he pulled down my panties and thrust into me. Things got hot and heavy when he, while he rubbed my clit and stroked it just right. Through my pleasure haze, I kind of registered that things had gotten very bright all of a sudden. We programmed the lights in our kitchen to turn on at sunset in case I got home late so our dogs don't have to sit in the dark. My brain was still trying to figure out what was happening when my husband shouts, Hey Google, turn the lights off. He kept pace through the, <laughs> he keeps he kept pace through the whole thing, and luckily for me, it takes him forever to come when he's the tiniest bit distracted. <laughs> I, I got off three times before he finished, and wow. growled, I don't ever want to hear about these goddamn light switches again. He was very smug. About, <laughs> he was very smug about his smart switches saving the day, even though they were the reason the lights went on in the first place. I was very satisfied, exhausted puddle of goo at this point, and let him have his victory. Love you all. Hope you hope this made you laugh. Keep up the good work. That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> I love it. I love okay. it. All right. Here's the last one. Hi, lady podcasters. Love the podcast. I'm listening to your The Duke's Twin series. And oh, yeah. The, the week we had that was the Lauren Smith. Smith. Yeah. And your recommendations for historical romance. Truly shocked that y'all didn't mention Beverly Jenkins novels. The creme de la creme of historical romance. Absolutely correct. We left we left Beverly Jenkins off our recommendation list and she's and I don't know that one. I don't know Beverly Jenkins. She's I don't fantastic. read historicals. I haven't read them before, yeah. but I am now. So I didn't I actually hadn't read her until I met her at a at Avon KissCon recently and mm-hmm. she was so fucking funny on the panels mm-hmm. that I went and like She's amazing. So she writes courageous heroines, alpha, honorable heroes, and and she writes hot as fuck. I love how you learn more about the experience of black people during the Civil War, a revolutionary war, and just everything regarding the black experience during those times. I'm not sure if you're doing any more historical romances soon, but you should really mention these. And if you haven't read them yet, get on it. So good. P.S. I also sent this to your I- oh, IG account. Okay, fine. But she's totally right. Beverly Jenkins does write historical romances that have black heroes and black heroines, and they're extremely well, like, just informative That's and awesome. amazing. So if you want to read Beverly Jenkins, I would strongly suggest it. That's and great. She's, and just- she's an absolute delight in real life, too. She's <laughs> really funny. <laughs> Somebody. I'm glad you mentioned that because I'm definitely like I feel like I'm getting into, his, into historicals and I never thought I'd say that so. yeah and like I mean because you're reading Kerrigan Byrne right oh yeah yeah I'm reading the Hol- the highwayman I'm like well it's on the audio so I'm like two or three hours into it so I'm I'm in it you loving it just oh my god he's just taking her so He's just taking her. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Right. Oh, I told you guys the other day. I said that. I even texted you guys. I was like, I said, I think it, it was the part where he's like, it's in the very beginning when they meet and they're little. And he says, you don't have anyone to love you, so I'm going to love you. And he said, and you can love me back. And then she's like, well, she said, you don't have anybody to love you. And she said, how do I do it? And he's like, I don't know. I've never been in love before, but I'll figure it out. And it's like the sweetest fucking thing ever. It's really sweet. It's like you don't have anybody to love you, so I'm gonna love you. And I was like, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're gonna go ahead and play you guys the final final chapters of When She's Ready by Ruby Dixon, and we'll catch up with you guys on the other side. Bye. 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 Part three.
Leilani. I stare at the big blue hunk of alien leaning against the bathroom door, on the wrong damn side of the bathroom door, and try to make my mouth work. I can't form words. I'm shocked. He's caught me red-handed with my fingers on my clit, one foot lifted onto the side of the tub, my legs spread, and all of my lady business wide open. I was just about to come, too. In fact, I'm aching so badly, panting with the need of it, that I can't resist giving myself another quick little swipe over my clit, even though he's standing there watching me. Tassar groans fiercely, his eyes gleaming. His hand moves down the front of his pants and he grips his cock, working it through the fabric. You going to keep touching yourself, little one? I gasp, because this is the naughtiest thing I've ever done, and because I do want to keep touching myself. There's something so dirty and wrong, and yet so very right about this. I want to keep touching myself. I want the pleasure of looking at him as I do so, too. Wasn't I just imagining holding on to his big shoulders as he pumped into me? Thinking about him is why I needed to come in here and take care of business in the middle of the day. I'm attracted to him like crazy, and I need to be rational about things, so I thought I'd blow off some steam and give myself a quick release. But he's here now, and he's watching me so closely that I feel as if I'm going to come on the heat of his gaze alone. You shouldn't be in here, I managed to pant even as my gaze trails down his sweat-plastered tunic to his waist and lower, to where he's holding on to the enormous length of his cock. It's outlined against the thin fabric of his clothing, and if what he's grabbing is any indication, he's going to make some lucky woman very happy someday. Wait, I'm that lucky woman. And because I can't help myself, I swipe a finger over my clit again. He growls, the sound low and sexy and so fucking delicious that I shiver all over. I like watching you do that, he tells me. The breath catches in my throat. I should tell him to leave, tell him to fuck off, that this is a personal moment. Instead, I keep staring at that massive bulge in his pants. Are you? Please tell me you're a shower and not a grower. Tassar's big hand swipes down the length, outlining it to my greedy gaze. This is all of me. You want to look? His voice is husky and deep, and his eyes are fierce with need as he watches me. Y yes, and I trace a circle around my clit again. It's only fair, he murmurs, since you're showing me just how pretty your cunt is. Oh God, he said cunt. Oh God. He said it's pretty. I bite back the whimper rising in my throat and watch mouth dry as he strips off his sweaty tunic, revealing a chest that's just as broad and muscular as I remember, tattoos dancing over his dark blue skin like poetry. Watching him move makes me even wetter between my thighs, and I didn't think that was possible. He's just so big and brawny that it's making me imagine all kinds of things. And when he runs one hand over a rock-hard pectoral, I whimper aloud like the shameless woman I am. I want to be that hand. A smile curves his mouth, and I realize he heard that. 
Do I look like your human males, little one? God, no, I blurt out. I want to tell him that he looks far better, that he's bigger and broader than any human could ever be. Tassar chuckles at my response, and then his hand goes to his belt. He pauses there, the fucking tease, and looks at me again. If you want me to leave, I will. Don't you dare, I tell him. I'll regret this tomorrow, sure, but right now, I want to see the goods. Strip down. As you wish, he says, and those three words send another shudder through me. He tugs his pants down, and then the hard midnight blue length of him is revealed to my gaze. He looks even bigger like this, the fat head of his cock beaded with precum. He's thick, too, so big around that my thighs do a little needy clench as I imagine how that'd feel inside me. Tassar strokes one hand down the long length of himself, and I notice he's got ridges. Dear Lord, the man has ridges on his cock. He's like a walking sex toy. His hand moves again, and then I see something I didn't notice before. There's a protrusion just above his cock, about the size of a thumb and as deep a blue as the rest of him. I pause at the sight of it. What the hell is that? He looks down, then gives me a puzzled glance and gestures at his dick. This is my manhood. Are you a virgin, Leilani? Not your dick, that thing above it. My spur? What's a spur? He shrugs. I don't know. It's just there. Do your males not have one? No. But now I can't help but think of the rabbit vibrator in my bedside drawer back home, because it had a very similar protrusion. My insides clench again, and I feel achingly hollow. Does it feel good? He shrugs again. It feels like a spur. Tassar's gaze locks on my chest. Your nipples look soft. Are they sensitive? My hand slides up to one breast and I caress it, skimming my fingers over my skin before stopping over one nipple. Yes. I love the low groan he makes and the way he watches my hands as I touch myself. Someday, you're going to let me touch them, he says, and then adds, when you're ready. When I'm ready, I echo, though I feel pretty ready right now. I watch as his hand strokes over his massive length again, up and down those glorious ridges. I can see a thick vein tracing his length, and my mouth waters at the sight. I like your body, Leilani, Tassar murmurs, looking me up and down. Is that fur on your pretty little cunt? The water spattering against my skin from the shower feels like freaking foreplay as it rains down on my breasts. I slide my hand back between my thighs and realize for the first time that I haven't seen a bit of body hair on him. Other than the short black stubble on his scalp, he's utterly hairless. Humans get hair here, I tell him, and lift my chin. Is that a problem? He growls low again, the sound sexy and delicious. Only that it hides the sight of your cunt from my gaze. Oh, he wants to see. 
breathless and shameless. I stand a little straighter and slide my fingers over my folds, parting them to give him a good look as he strokes his cock up and down his shaft over and over again. He steps forward and I want to tell him to move back, but the words die in my throat. I don't really want him to move back. I want him to look at me with those hungry, hungry eyes, to devour me with a gaze because it's making me so turned on that I could practically come just like this. What's that? He asks. What? What? The little bud between your petals. Oh. It's my clit. I touch it, and another whimper escapes me. Sensitive he murmurs, and licks his lips. Oh, God, yes. Touch it again. Moaning, I do as he asks, performing for his hungry stare. I'm incredibly slick, my fingers skimming circles around my clit as I hold my folds open so he can watch. My nipples are achingly tight, and he's standing so close that I wonder if he's going to get into the shower with me. I picture him putting one of those big hands on my stomach, and then dropping lower, rubbing my clit for me. I come with a hard clench. Crying out, I let my head fall back as I continue to stroke myself, imagining that it's him touching me. I keep rubbing until it grows too sensitive to do so, and then with a shuddering gasp, I let my hand fall away as I struggle to get control of myself. At some point, I closed my eyes, probably when I came, and when I opened them... I see that his face is taut, his eyes shut, and the hand that strokes up and down his cock is covered with his release. It seems I wasn't the only one that came. Tassar It's hard to leave my female's side when everything in me shouts to get in that shower and claim her, to grab her wet body and pull it against me and drag her to the bed. But now that she's climaxed, she's giving me a shy, uncertain look, and I don't want to make her uncomfortable. This is all still new for both of us, so I grab a towel and leave the bathroom, wiping down my cock. I head to my room, and a few minutes later, I hear her get out of the shower. I wait another few moments, and then I go inside and clean myself off, and jerk another one out because I can't stop thinking about her rounded breasts and the expression of ecstasy on her face as she came. And I can't wait to find out what she tastes like. I can wait for another day, though. Once I'm done in the shower, I get dressed in fresh clothing and head into the kitchen. At first, I think my human mate's having a conversation with the window over the sink, but I realize that there's a bird sitting on the windowsill. It's too soon, Manu, she tells him. Just because I'm acting like a shameless hussy doesn't mean that it's a good idea. These things take time, you know. She slowly reaches one hand out and drops a few crumbs on the sill, watching the bird. I can't mess things up because I'm impatient. Is she talking about me, I wonder? I remain perfectly still, not wanting to interrupt the moment. And so I hear what she's saying. The bird doesn't move for the food, so she reaches out and nudges a crumb toward it. Instead of going for the food, it flaps away and leaves. Like I said, Manu, Leilani sighs. These things take time. 
She sounds so sad that I speak up to distract her. Are you going to train the bird to eat from your hand? Leilani jumps, looking over at me. Her expression is that of embarrassment, but there's a little smile on her fascinating face that makes me feel good, like she's remembering what we just did and has no regrets. It gets lonely out here, so yeah, I'm trying to befriend the birds. I'm impatient, though, and they get scared off. She shakes her head. Disney princesses make this shit look easy. I have no idea what a Disney or a princess is, but I need to talk to her. Her comment about being lonely reminds me that she's not as solitary out here as she thinks. Do you know your neighbors, the ones with the farm east of you? I don't like the way her shoulders stiffen. I've met them in passing. They gave me some creepy looks, so I tried to avoid them, though. They're snake men, aren't they? Yes. Their people are called C3, and I'm afraid they've been wandering over your land. I saw some tracks in your crops. I think they're watching you. When her eyes go wide, I add, but you don't have to worry. I'll keep you safe. They've hinted that they want my land, she admits. I guess because my farm is adjacent to theirs. They won't get it, I tell her firmly. You're my mate now. I'll go over and have a talk with them in the morning. Let them know you're claimed. Do you think that'll work? If it doesn't, I'll think of another more forceful way to get them to leave her alone. Positive, I tell her. You don't have to worry about a thing. I don't sleep well that night. I keep thinking about Leilani and the dark fall of her hair, the way her wet skin gleamed in the shower, the way she touched one of those big, plump breasts and toyed with the nipple shamelessly in front of me. I think of her cunt and the little nub she teased until she came. I can't stop thinking about her and my cock's incredibly hard. Even taking myself in hand doesn't stop the ache. I want her in my bed, under me, and I suspect I'm not going to get much rest until I do. So I stay up most of the night, listening in the hopes that Leilani will have another bad dream and I'll get to wake her up. It doesn't happen, though. She's quiet on her side, and I tell myself it's for the best. I want her to sleep well, unafraid. I just wish I was in that bed with her. I wake up before dawn and make sure the animals are fed. By the time I've set the feeders and checked the machinery, the sun is up, and when I approach the house, I see the kitchen window is open and Leilani's birds are waiting for their handout. I raise a hand in greeting when I see her pretty face, and then skirt wide so I don't scare her little friends away. The kitchen is warm and full of good smells when I enter, and my pretty little human mate has a bright smile on her face. Sleep well? I ask, and I like that she blushes. She's so shy, it's adorable. Of course, you? I don't tell her that my body was hungry for hers all night, that I couldn't sleep because the ache in my cock was too overwhelming. Fine, is all I say. Should we talk about what happened yesterday? Do you want to? Not really. She bites her lip. I smile. It's adorable that she's shy, 
considering that this is the same female that parted the lips of her cunt so I can watch her touch herself. We don't have to talk about it until you're ready. Do you like meat? She asks instead, playing with a strand of her long hair. My people have a way of cooking where you cook the meat in an underground pit called an emu. It makes the meat very tender and delicious, and I thought since you were here, I might make it for you. She wants to do that for me? I'm filled with pleasure at the thought, not just because she wants to cook for me, but because that means she's been thinking about me as much as I've been thinking about her. I would love that. Can I help? You can help me dig the pit, Leilani tells me, more relaxed. There's a spot outside that would be perfect. I can show you. I get to my feet to follow her. Leilani smiles at me and goes to the door of the house that leads outside. The moment she opens it, though, I grab her and pull her back behind me. Two C3 aliens stand there on the doorstep, and they're staring at my mate with covetous eyes. You need to get out of here, I say, my voice low and deadly. I put a hand in front of Leilani, determined to keep her hidden from their sight. You're not welcome on this land. The taller of the aliens blinks at me, his expression impossible to read. I am here to speak to the human female, not you. What can I help you with? Leilani asks, and her voice is far too polite for my tastes. She tries to step out from behind me. Just as quickly, I step in front of her and glare at the two males. I know what they want. They want my meat. Possessive need races through me, and I fight the urge to drag her away into the bedroom, out of their sight. One of the aliens smirks at me and gestures at the second one. My son wishes to offer a mating to the human Leilani. I have a husband, she says outraged. She tries to step around me again, and this time I put an arm over her shoulders and pull her against my side. She fits there neatly, and the pleasure of that small touch almost makes the burning rage behind my eyes go away. Almost. Tassar is my husband, she tells them, her spine stiff. I can feel her outrage stiffening her body, and the need to protect her grows stronger by the moment. We have heard rumor that this is a pretend marriage, the taller alien says. My son wishes to offer for you so you can have a real mate. Where would he have keffing heard that? I think of the small restaurant and the long conversation I had with Jutari there, and I want to kick myself. Of course someone overheard us there. And because it's such a small community, no doubt everyone's heard that we're marrying just for show. The thought makes me furious. Leilani is mine. I don't care if she thinks this is just for show. It's not for me. It hasn't been since the moment I laid eyes on her. This is a real mating. We do not believe you, the taller alien says. I'll just have to keffing show them then. I turn, look down at my female's upturned face, and plant my mouth against hers in one of those so-called human kisses. Part 4. Leilani
The kiss that Tassar plants on my mouth is as surprising as it is awkward. His tongue slides all over my lips and he mauls me for a brief moment before he turns and gives the two aliens on our doorstep a triumphant look. You see, he says as I stand there, dazed. She is my mate. They look at both of us with disgust. Revolting, says one of the lizard men. She is my mate, Tassar says again. So get off our land. They give us a few heated glares and then turn away, and I can practically see the gears turning in the taller one's head. He's not giving up. I think Tassar sees it too, because he grabs me and plants another kiss on my face, his tongue swiping all over the lower half of my chin. I have to fix this. Tassar watches them leave, practically bristling with anger, and then shuts the door when they disappear from sight. Cheffing fools. He mutters, do they think they can strong-arm me into backing down? To giving you up? He snorts. I touch my mouth. What was that? What was what? Your tongue moved over my face like a windshield wiper not two moments ago. Oh, that? Tassar gives me an arrogant look. That was a kiss. I am told that humans enjoy such things. They do? I agree, and then give a little shake of my head. But that wasn't a kiss. Yes, it was. He looks offended that I would question such a thing. I've been kissed before, and trust me, that's not how you do it. His expression changes and intensifies. He studies me for a long moment, and then puts a finger under my chin, tipping it up. Show me how it works, then. Oh, now I've done it. I should be upset that he's calling me on it, that I've walked into this verbal trap, but I want to kiss him. A kiss should be proper, and someone as gorgeous as him is interested in kissing me. I might as well show him the right way to do it. It's my duty to womankind. I'm feeling breathless at the thought of kissing Tassar, though. I gaze up at him at his hard mouth with his firm lips and those fangs that flash every so often. Well, I say, and I'm nervous and excited both. It's lips on lips, a caress of one mouth to another. Show me, he says again. He's so much taller than me, so I crack a finger indicating that he should lower his head. Instead, though, he grabs a stool and thumps down upon it, then pulls me against him. When he's seated, we are practically the same height, and I can look him in the eye. One big arm is locked around my waist, as if to stop me from running away, as if I'd do such a thing. I lick my lips, because it's really shameful how much I'm looking forward to this kiss. I touch his jaw, noting that he's utterly smooth, no alien beard for him, his suede-like skin feels like heaven under my touch, and I want to pet him all over. That might make things weird, though, and I'd really like to kiss him before shit gets too weird. He's watching me with that intense gaze of his, and it makes me feel all hot and achy deep inside. A caressing of mouths, I tell him again, and then I lean in and brush my lips over his. It's the barest of touches, a whisper of mouth on mouth, but it feels like nothing I've experienced before. 
There's something far more intimate about kissing Tazar, knowing that this is his first one, and I'm setting the precedent for all kisses after this. And because I can't help but want to make it memorable, I flick my tongue over his lips in a tease as I pull away. The big alien is silent as he gazes up at me. Well, I ask, breathless. I'm practically panting, and all I did was skim my mouth over his. Are they all so brief? I'm surprised at his question. That's all he has to say. No, they're not all brief. I can't keep the annoyance out of my voice. Here, I'll do a longer one. I put my hands on his shoulders, touch a finger under his chin, and then put my mouth on his again. This time, I don't pussyfoot around. I press my mouth firmly to his, and when his lips don't part under mine, I make it a personal mission to get him to open up. I nip and suck on his lips, nibbling on his full lower one before moving to the upper lip and grazing it with my teeth. There's something about his scent and his big body against mine, but by the time I'm done kissing the hell out of his mouth, I'm throbbing with need. Breathless, I pull back and study him. Is he as flushed as I am? Is that sleepy look in his gaze desire, or is it boredom? Well, you didn't use your tongue that time. I thought there was tongue. Most of the time there is, I say, flustered. You should do it again, and show me with tongue. His arm tightens around my waist. Once more, and do it properly. It occurs to me as I lean in and put my mouth on his, that I'm being manipulated, that he's not as unaffected by the kiss as he pretends to be, and I know it's true once he tugs me even closer, and I'm straddling one big thigh, my breasts pushed against his chest as my mouth slicks over his again. I don't care, though. I'm far too interested in kissing him to point out his game. This time, I press the tip of my tongue against the seam of his mouth, and he opens up for me. I flick my tongue against his, and a hot shudder of pleasure ripples through me when I realize it has ridges, too. His cock had ridges. I remember that from my shower. A low moan escapes me, and then his hand is behind my neck, and he's holding me close as the kiss grows deeper. I'm no longer in control, I realize. He's taken over it. Tassar's tongue plays against mine, and then he's conquering my mouth one slow, delicious stroke at a time. The world stops existing for me outside of the sweep of his tongue into my mouth, that hot, slow lick that promises all kinds of filthy, exciting things. And then he pulls away. I let out a little mew of protest, sounding like the neediest woman ever. His mouth is still temptingly close, and I lick my lips, wondering if I can still taste him on me. Are you ready yet? He asks. Ready? I've been kissed so thoroughly, I have no idea what he's talking about. For mating. For joining me in my bed. He leans in and nips at my lower lip in a sexy little bite that sends a shudder through me. Right. I'd forgotten that I made him promise to wait until I was ready. Still not ready, I managed to gasp out, though I can't stop staring at his mouth. I want it on mine again. I'm addicted after just a few quick kisses. For a man that practically licked my face a few minutes ago and thought that was a kiss, he sure is a fast learner. 
makes me wonder what else he'll be a fast learner at. If you're not ready, can I make you ready? His thumb strokes over the back of my neck. Oh God, what does that mean? I whimper and his eyes light up with pleasure at the sound. What? What did you have in mind? I shouldn't be asking. I really shouldn't, but I can't help myself. I have to know. And he gives me a wicked, wicked smile that makes my toes curl. I like tasting you, he murmurs. I like the sweet honey of your mouth. It makes me want to taste the rest of you. The rest of me? I echo, even though my thighs are tightening and there's a quiver in my belly. Your cunt, he says boldly. I want to put my mouth between your thighs and taste that sweetness that you touched the other day when I saw you in the shower. I gasp. I'm torn between shucking my clothing and slapping him across the face for being so very blunt. You shouldn't say such things. Why not? It's the truth. My mouth waters every time I see you, and I can't stop thinking about your body. I want to explore your sweet little folds and see if they're as soft as they look. I want to touch that button of yours to see if it's as sensitive as it looks. I want to see if I can make you gasp and climax. More than anything, I want to have the taste of you on my tongue. His hand trails down my spine, fingers sweeping along my back. Because I bet the taste of you is utterly glorious. Oh, I breathe. What do you say? He wraps his hand in my long hair, watching me with utter fascination. What do I say? The man is offering to give me oral simply because he wants to. It's not a situation I'd ever thought I'd be in. I've had sex before, sure, but trying to get a man to go down on a girl without offering a reciprocal first is like, well, I don't know what it's like because I've never ran into it before. Ever. My last boyfriend absolutely refused to do oral, and I resigned myself to a life where my girl parts were ignored. And now this stranger's offering me oral sex like I'd be doing him a favor? This is not what I expected. Say yes, he encourages when I'm quiet. Let me taste you. How can I refuse such a request? He's sexy, I'm horny, and his tongue has ridges. This doesn't mean I'm ready for everything, I say, trying to establish some control over the situation. Of course not, he says and gets to his feet. As he does, he picks me up as if I weigh nothing, and I make a noise of surprise and fling my arms around his neck so he doesn't drop me. This change is nothing, he reassures me, just that I get to taste you, and you still get to decide when you're ready. It feels like there should be a catch. Should there be a catch? Because I feel like there's a trick somewhere in here. He's this big, sexy, ridiculously gorgeous alien, and I'm a plain-looking human with an extra 50 pounds. These sorts of situations don't happen to girls like me. If I say stop, you have to stop, I warn him. Of course. I wouldn't want to touch you if you weren't interested. He sounds disgusted at the thought. All righty then, 
I say nothing else as he locks the front door and then carries me back to my bedroom with confident steps. He shuts the door behind him and then sets me down carefully on the bed. His eyes gleam as he gazes down at me. I don't understand why you're so shy, Leilani. Shy? I scoff at his words. Me? I'm not shy. I'm a huge liar, though. Shy probably isn't the right word. Embarrassed, maybe. I just feel completely out of my element around him, and I keep waiting for someone to tell me this is all a joke or I'm reading the situation wrong. Something. Because my heart's beating like a nervous butterfly in my chest, and my pussy is soaking wet at the thought of this man wanting to taste me. I would not think of you as shy, no, Tassar agrees, and traces one finger under my chin. After all, you are the human female that stroked herself so boldly in the shower in front of me, and told me that she had needs too. And yet your cheeks are flushed, and you quiver when I touch you. This tells me you are shy. I put a hand to my cheek. It does feel hot. Damn it. I'm just not used to this sort of thing, that's all. Most human males I've dated aren't into that sort of thing. Good, he growls. Good? Yes, because it means that they are fools. Because it means that your cunt is mine and mine alone. That is why it is good. I shudder as he drops to his knees by my bed. Tassar? I like it when you say my name, Shy Leilani, he murmurs, and my skin pebbles with goosebumps. His hand cups my jaw, and I can feel the calluses on his palm, at odds with the soft peach fuzz of his blue skin. And I am here to tell you not to be shy about this. You let me kiss your soft mouth, did you not? Now let me kiss your soft cunt. And I moan at those words. Tassar I have never wanted anything as much as I want Leilani in this moment. She's utterly beautiful as she lies back on the bed, her dark hair spread around her head like a cascade of silk. I devour her with my hungry gaze, fascinated by the sight of her. She's delicate and soft, all rounded curves and bountiful breasts. Her hips are full and wide, perfect for my hands to grip, and I'm itching to touch her. More than that, I'm itching to taste her. Because the scent of her, the nearness of her, is driving me wild. In the few short days that we've been together, I've become addicted to the scent of her hair when she tosses it over her shoulder, the faint musky scent of her sweat after a long day of work, and the sweet taste of her breath on mine as I kissed her. Ah, kissing. Clever, clever humans. Of course a mouth should be mated and tongued. It makes perfect sense. And now that I have tasted Leilani's sweet lips, I cannot wait to taste her again. My people are a possessive people, I think, as I gaze down at her rounded curves. When we find our mate, there is no one more dedicated than a Masaka male. Leilani might not be ready yet but I will follow her from one end of the galaxy to the next if she just promises me more kisses. No other male will ever touch her or threaten her. No male will ever look at her again because she belongs to me.
Are you angry? Leilani asks, interrupting my thoughts. No, why? You're frowning. Am I? It's only because I think of the idiots that came to our door earlier and tried to push their claim on my female. If I see them again, they will be dead. I noticed how worried they made her and how uncertain she was. Thinking about it fills me with rage and I have to catch myself before I start snarling at the world. I am just lost in thought. Those are some thoughts, she says, her voice tart, and I like that she is impertinent. It means that however she's feeling, she's not afraid of me. I am frowning because you wear far too many clothes, I tell her. It's not a lie. I want her naked and lush, and most of all, underneath me. Can I take them off of you? She bites her lip and gives me another shy look, but nods. Good. I touch the auto fastener at the collar of her prim tunic and watch as it slides down the length of her body, showing tantalizing bits of brown skin as it does. She wears unfamiliar female undergarments over her breasts, and as I watch, she reaches between them and unsnaps something, and then it falls away from her body. And then my lovely Leilani is naked on the bed, her clothing falling to the mattress in a heap. She's just as gorgeous as I remember from that day in the shower. Her deep golden skin, such a warm shade that it invites my touch. I want to put my hands all over her, to play with those large breasts and caress every inch of her skin. She's trembling as I gaze down at her, and I want her trembling to be because she needs to come under my mouth, not because she's nervous. But I have to go slow. I have to make her ready. Have you ever made it with one of my kind? I ask her. Blue aliens? Males. Leilani gives an indignant little snort. Yes to men, no to blue aliens. What about you? No to men, yes to blue aliens. She reaches up and smacks my arm in a surprising motion. That's not what I meant. Have you ever slept with a human? I laugh, pleased at the way she bats at me. Even though she's half my size, it's clear she's not intimidated by me, and I love that. She might be tiny and soft, but she's fierce, my Leilani. You are the only human. You mean first. I level my gaze at her. I mean only. Does she not realize that I'm not doing this for a quick afternoon's enjoyment? I do this because she's mine, all mine. Just as I will be your only Masaka. We'll see, she says boldly, but I can see a flush on her cheeks. I growl my displeasure. I do not share my Leilani. You are my wife, and that means you belong to me and me alone. You think I would let another man taste your mouth? I put my hands on her hips and then skim my fingers down one rounded thigh. You think I would let another man put his mouth on your cunt and taste your honey? Her lips part, her eyes soft. She gives a little moan. God, you're filthy. I am honest.
If you are my mate, this body is mine. These soft breasts and hips are mine. This pretty little cunt is mine. I lower my head, letting my breath fan over the dark curls of her mound. I want to taste her so badly, but I'm not yet done teasing. Just like all that I am belongs to you. From horn to tail, I am yours to taste and to pleasure. Leilani moans low again, and her fingers clench on empty air. Can I, can I touch your horns? While I lick your sweet cunt, it would give me great pleasure. Her breath hitches in her throat, and she curls one hand around the base of one horn. Her skin feels heated against the hard plates of my brow, and I didn't expect it to feel this good. Are you going to taste me then? She asks, her voice a mere whisper. Oh, yes. I pause for a moment and then add, when you're ready. Leilani gasps, and I can feel her hand clench on my horn. What do you mean when I'm ready? I mean that I'll taste you when you agree to become my mate in every sense. So this is just a tease? Her indignant question is cut off by a pounding at the door. I jump from the bed, a snarl on my lips. My cock is achingly hard in my trousers, and I want nothing more than to shuck my clothing and climb atop this female and prove to her that we've played long enough, that she's my mate in all ways. But first, I have to chase off these fool's C3 neighbors of hers that don't know when to stay away. Wait here, I tell Leilani. She grabs at the blankets and pulls them to her chest, hiding her pretty breasts. Tassar, wait! I should answer the door. No, I tell her, and mean it. If they get one look at my mate, disheveled and sweet, her eyes soft and the scent of her honey-laced cunt perfuming the air, they'll want her as badly as I do. And I don't intend on letting them get close. She's mine, and mine alone. I take advantage of the fact that she's naked and leave the bedroom, shutting the door behind me and crossing the living area to the front door of Leilani's small house. I spot a heavy pan and grab it off a nearby counter, ready to use it as a weapon. If those C3 don't know what's good for them. But when I open the door, I'm not looking at Leilani's C3 neighbors. I'm looking instead at two of Lord Va Ren's militia, their uniforms crisp, their horns capped with gleaming silver. One taps his badge and his credentials display in the air as a hollow vid as a pre-recorded citation of prisoners' rights begins to play. The second steps forward with stun cuffs. Kassar Solrian, we're going to need to bring you in for questioning. Part 5. Leilani. I drum my fingers in irritation on the arm of the chair in Lord Varin's manor house. It's been a long damn day. My new husband was stolen from my house by the authorities, and now he's being held for deportment back to the prison planet Haven. It doesn't matter that he was a prisoner of war and shouldn't have been held at a prison planet anyhow. All that matters is that he's supposed to be there instead of here, and that means someone snitched on us. Probably my neighbors, who have made no secret that they're interested in my land. 
I could easily see them heading over to the authorities and telling them a big bad escaped convict is on human Leilani's farm. No one will listen to me when I say I'm not in danger, though. I tell them that we married legally, that Lord Varin doesn't mind my choice of husband. I tell them that Tassar is a prisoner of war, and it's only because of treaty issues that he was on the prison planet at all, not because he broke the law. I tell them that they're taking away my protector and breaking human laws by separating me from my mate. I might have made up that part just because it sounds good. But the militia won't hear it. They just give me patronizing smiles and shake their heads. They tell me that I'm a fragile little human female and I have no idea what I've been saved from, and that I should return to my farm like a good girl and mind my business. It makes me so mad I want to spit. At first, I let them push me away. I had a good cry sitting in my air cruiser, and then I wiped away my tears and thought of a new course of action which is why I'm at Lord Varin's estate, sitting in an oversized chair and waiting to see the Lord himself. I've been told that he's busy and has no time in his schedule today for personal matters. I've been told that I need an appointment. I ignored all of that and sat in the chair and told them I wouldn't move until Lord Varin saw me. And I might have hinted that if he didn't see me before supper time, I might die of malnutrition. I mean, heck, they don't know how often humans need to eat, right? If it takes a few white lies to grease the wheel, so be it. I'm not letting Tassar get shipped back to the prison planet without a fight. Absolutely not. We're a team. It's been a really damn long time since I've been able to trust anyone, I realize. Ever since I was abducted by aliens, I've felt alone. Like I had no one watching my back. But the moment I met Tassar, things changed. I don't know when I realized it, but having him around makes me feel less solitary, less afraid. I can be myself around him. I can crack jokes or be as weird or as human as I need to be. I can masturbate in front of him and he won't attack me. I want him home. I want this marriage between us to work out. I can see us blossoming into more over time. Yes, it's early, but I can see us figuring out the relationship as we go. And I can see us in love and having oversized babies with blue skin and tails. And I can see us growing old together, sitting on the porch of our farmhouse. I want that so badly. I'm not going to let some dick-faced militia take that away from me either. So I sit in the chair and pretend to look as if I'm wasting away while one personal secretary after another tries to figure out what to do with me. It's clear that having a human pop by the Lord's house isn't a normal thing, but I'm not leaving until I get my way. After an hour or so of waiting, I get results. A very tall, blue-skinned alien with ornate metal coverings over his impressive horns sweeps into the room. He's wearing long, dark robes and has a frown on his face as he gazes down at me. They told me you are starving to death in order to force an appointment with me. Is that what they said? Gosh, it's so hard to find good help these days. I keep my tone bright as I leap to my feet and offer my hand to him. I'm Leilani, a human just like your mate. My mate would not starve to death after a few hours of sitting in a room, he says coldly. Do not think you can play games with me. I am a very busy person, and I have no time for this nonsense. His tone is positively arctic, and I feel a wave of despair. Did I sit here for nothing? Is he not going to help me out after all? Please, I begin. 
and he puts a hand up to silence me. Do not please me, human. All right, if being friendly isn't going to go far, I'll try a different tactic. My lower lip wobbles and I let tears fall down my cheeks. It's not hard to cry on command because not only am I frustrated, but I'm feeling very alone and helpless. You, the Lord begins again, and then sighs heavily at the sight of my tears. You are no fun, human. I am, how do you say, busting balls. He reaches out and pats my shoulder awkwardly. Don't cry. If my Millie hears that you're crying, she's going to give me the silent treatment for weeks. I take the handkerchief he offers me, noting that it's emblazoned with his house symbol. If nothing else, maybe I can use this to throw his name around. I'm really sorry, I say between sniffles. It's just... Someone stole my husband and my neighbors are trying to take my claim and I'm having a really, really bad day. The Lord frowns down at me. Someone stole your husband? I nod. Before I can say more, a tiny human woman in a long, ornate gown bursts into the room. She's got bright red hair and a cute little pug nose. Her hands go to her hips and she gives the big alien at my side an outraged look. Varric, really, darling, do you have to make all the humans cry when they come for help? I am busting balls, he protests. Isn't that what humans like? Not right now, she says between clenched teeth and hustles over to my side. She puts an arm around my waist and steers me into the house, giving my arm a reassuring squeeze. Ignore my husband. Why don't you sit down and tell me how we can help you? I want my husband back, I say immediately, and they're going to deport him. Not if I have anything to say about it, Millie replies, and the hard gleam in her eyes tells me that this is a woman that gets her way. Tassar Your ride's here, one of the guards says, coming to the entrance of my cell. He activates my cuffs and then taps a button the door sliding back with a whoosh of air. My ride, eh? Disgusted, I get to my feet slowly. Back to the prison planet and breaking rocks then. I'm angry. Angry that my freedom was only a few days. Angry that someone probably overheard me making plans in the restaurant with Jutari, and I'm sitting here, imprisoned once more. Most of all, though, I'm angry that Leilani's going to be left vulnerable that my mate, because she is mine, will be left without a protector. Maybe I can contact Vortigar and ask him to watch out for her, get a message to him somehow, and ask him to keep an eye on my vulnerable mate. Because it's clear I'll just have to figure out a way to escape again so I can come back to her. I won't leave her alone on this end of the universe with no one to look after her. That's my job. She's mine to protect and I plan on doing so. This is a temporary setback, and the good news is that I'll have plenty of time to think up a new plan to get out of here on the long trip back to the prison planet. The guard that leads me out of the holding cell gives me a little shove. Quit dragging your feet, move it along. I bare my teeth at him in a snarl, but I do as he says striding forward through the small building that functions as both spaceport and holding facility. I look out the windows to the spaceport itself, but I don't see any ships waiting to take me out of here.
Are they going to make me sit outside until it arrives then? What's the point of that? I turn to ask, but the guard just shoves me through the door to the front of the building. And then, I'm looking right at my lovely human mate. I'm surprised to see her here. A moment later, though, that surprise is tempered with fierce pleasure as I drink in the sight of her. It's been less than a day since we were separated, but it feels like a thousand years. I scan her appearance, looking for bruises or signs that she's been abused by someone while I've been stuck here. She's wearing a loose, pale yellow tunic dress that sways around her delicate brown ankles, and she has a flower tucked behind one ear, her silky black hair flowing over her shoulders. It makes my heartache to see how beautiful she is. I am the luckiest male alive, I realize in this moment. It doesn't matter if I'm being shipped out. I'll find a way back to her. She's my home now. My lovely wife lifts her chin and gives the soldier at my side a haughty look. Are those cuffs really necessary? Do I need to complain to your superiors? I automatically step a little closer to the soldier at my side, because if he says something unpleasant to my mate, I'm going to have to flatten him. To my surprise, though, the man just clears his throat. <clears throat> my apologies. And he grabs my cuffs, taps in a code and disables them. Leilani sniffs, all arrogance. That's better. Come on, Tassar, we're leaving. I rub my wrists, not entirely sure what's happened. I glance at the soldier, but he's pocketing the cuffs and walking away as if everything's settled as if I'm not an escaped convict that's been caught. I want to question him, to find out the truth, but I move quickly to Leilani's side instead, because I'm not stupid. I just want to get out of here. If this is an escape attempt, she doesn't need me sitting around mucking things up. She sticks her small hand out, indicating that I should hold it. I take her hand in mine, and she leads me through the row of shops that make up Rizda Three's only town and to her air cruiser. She walks in unhurried steps, as if she has all the time in the world, but I notice her back is stiff, her posture erect. She's not nearly as calm as she's faking. All right, then. I let go of her hand and race forward to open the air cruiser's door and help her inside, then get in on my side. The moment the doors are shut, I turn to her. What's the plan? Leilani immediately starts up the air cruiser and eases it into the sky. Well, we're going to find a somewhat private field as close nearby as we can, and then you and I are going to fuck like bunnies. What? I'm not entirely sure I've heard her correctly. Are we not escaping? We are not, she says, her tone matter-of-fact. She pulls out a heavy sheaf of official parchment from a tube and hands it to me, her gaze locked on the windshield. You've been pardoned by Lord Varen, who has acknowledged our mating, and he's given you sanctuary here on Rizda Three because I'm a fragile human and need your protection at all times. It's come to light that humans are exceedingly dependent on their mates, and it would be medically dangerous for my health if you were pulled away from me. What? I scan the document. Sure enough, there's a million official seals at the bottom, 
along with digital validations for seven different languages and an authorization code that means that this has been recorded as official law. But it's not medically dangerous for you, is it? I eye her with concern. She's beautiful beyond all imaginings. But could she be hiding secret pain? It's not, she agrees, and a smile flashes across her face. But no human is going to admit that to an alien. I laugh, shaking my head at her cleverness. So you've solved the problem. Not entirely. Leilani smooths her hair with a nervous hand, nearly dislodging the cheery flower tucked behind one small human ear. Lord Ra Ren suggested that I get pregnant very quickly in order to cement our bond. Our child will be born into citizenship of the Masaka Empire, and he'll have more rights than you and me both. So, wanna make a baby? Because Varen's human wife gave me a few shots of fertility drugs that mean your swimmers are compatible with my eggs for a short period of time. We've got about two days before I stop ovulating like crazy. I go very still. I don't like the nervousness on her face. No. The air cruiser jerks to a halt over a field of synth protein, the tall greenish-blue stalks waving in the breeze. Leilani looks over at me, hurt on her face. You don't want to have sex with me? What the hell was all that back at the house about wanting to taste me? Or was that just you wanting to give me blue balls? Her face flushes a darker shade. No pun intended. I would love nothing more than to claim you as my mate, sweet Leilani. I reach out and straighten the flower in her hair and then I'm unable to resist caressing the shell of her delicate ear. But I promised you that we would only mate when you were ready, and I won't break that promise. Child or not, my safety means nothing if my mate, my wife, feels as if she is trapped with me. Leilani just stares at me for a long moment while the cruiser hovers over the field, swishing the crops below with the force of its fans. I can hear them rustling around us. In fact, it's the only noise right now because my mate has gone utterly silent. I'm not trapped, she says after a moment. With you, I have more freedom than ever. More than that, I have hope. I can see a future with someone, a future where I'm not alone, surrounded by nothing but alien strangers. I don't feel alone with you. Her mouth twitches, as if she's struggling to remain solemn. And, can I show you something? Of course. She takes my hand and guides it up under the skirts of her dress. Before I can realize what she's doing, my fingers are on her cunt, and I can feel the slick honey on her folds. Does that say I'm not ready? Leilani. I groan her name so loudly that it reverberates in the cruiser. She's slippery and hot, and I want to keffing rub her like mad, but I also don't want to scare her with my need. Say the words aloud, little one, I tell her, my hand still. Tell me that you want me truly, that this is not panic, 
because I am content to wait as long as I have to. It's a lie. My cock aches all day every day for need of her, but I won't push her into doing something she doesn't want. If she doesn't come to my bed of her own free will, she doesn't come to it at all. I want her smiles and her eager caresses more than I want to sink my cock into unwilling flesh. I was ready the moment your head went between my thighs, she tells me, unbuckling her seatbelt and then sliding over. She puts her arms around my neck and slips one leg over me until she's straddling me, our faces a breath apart. Although, if I'm being honest, I've wanted you ever since I saw you. Her hand slides down the front of my chest. It's unfair for you to be so damn sexy. It really is. I capture her mouth in a quick, hard kiss, even as my hand goes under her skirt once more and finds the spot between her legs. I seek out her clit with one finger and then begin to rub it in small circles like she did the day I watched her shower. You find me sexy then? She whimpers against my lips, her hands tightening against me. Oh, God, yes. And you want us to meet right now, here in the open, above this field? My fingers glide over her folds, and I'm reveling in just how wet she is. She's so slick that she's coating my fingers, and I ease one into the tight channel of her cunt, testing her. She's small, my human, but I know she'll be able to take me despite the difference in our sizes. No one will stop us. She pants, pressing hot, fervent little kisses to my face. If the car's a rockin', don't come a knockin'. Her fingers move to the front of my tunic and then go lower, undoing the auto fastener at my waist. But if you don't want a baby, we should probably use protection. You're sure I can make you pregnant, even though you're human? Leilani nods her gaze meeting mine even as I push my finger deep inside her again. She gasps, and the look on her face as I stroke into her is beyond beautiful. Millie said she used same Dr. Jatari and Chloe did. I think of Jatari's fragile human mate and the large child in her arms. It is possible then. I imagine Leilani holding my child walking through the house and talking to him like she talks to everything else, and my heart fills with a bolt of longing. I hold the back of her neck and kiss her fiercely, plunging my finger deep into her hot cunt. I want that, I growl against her mouth between kisses. I want to give you a baby. You're sure? I never thought of myself as a farmer before meeting her but now I can't picture anything but spending the rest of my life on her farm with her at my side. I love the quiet, cozy little farmhouse. I love the solitude of this planet, and most of all, I love this female. But I never thought of myself as a farmer until now, and it's the same with being a father. I never thought of it before, and now I want it more than anything. I'm sure. Leilani smiles, and she's heartbreakingly beautiful.
then let's do this. I thought that's what we were doing, I tell her, and thrust my finger into her again. She gasps, her thighs trembling over mine, and a little moan escapes her before she lifts her hips and bucks onto my finger again. I love the sight of her face as she rides my hand, but it makes me want more. Let me taste you, I demand. I want my mouth on you. Next time, she promises, and rocks her cunt against my hand again. I want you too badly. I want her too. I want her so much that I'm aching, my body pushed to the limit so quickly that it's startling. I've never needed a female as badly as I need Leilani right now in this instant. I need to claim her, to mark her as mine with my seed and fill her cunt with my essence. It's a primal urge, but so is my need to taste her. A compromise then. I slide my finger out of her heat, and I love the whimper of protest she makes. My hand is slick with her honey, and I raise it to my mouth and suck the taste of her off my fingers. She's just as delicious as I imagined. The scent of her filling my nose and the taste of her on my lips is incredible. I'm disappointed when I suck them clean, and I'm hungry to taste her again. But then Leilani's mouth is on mine, and her hand is between our bodies. She pulls my stiff cock free of my trousers and moans as she wraps her fingers around my girth. You're so warm, she whispers. Warm and hard and covered with ridges. I pull her close, press my face against the softness of her neck, and kiss her there. You like the ridges? Oh, yes. Her breath catches in her throat as I nip her neck. Can I touch your spur? You can touch me wherever you like, little one. She reaches up and caresses it, fascinated. It's hard like cartilage. Does it do anything? Should it? To me, the spur is just there, like my tail. I guess not. Leilani looks at me and bites her lip. It's just new to me. She's so beautiful that I can't concentrate on anything but her full mouth and her hands on my cock. Do whatever you like to me. I'm yours. It's clear that she likes hearing that. She squeezes my cock and then lifts her hips. I capture her mouth, kissing her with all the fierce hunger and need inside me. And I groan when she fits me against the entrance to her core. One move, and then I'll be inside her. And then she sinks down atop me. The groan rips from my throat, and I clench her soft body against me, burying my face in her neck as she slowly rocks down onto my length. She strokes one of my horns in a gentle caress, as if she needs to touch all of me. Then I'm seated completely inside her, and her cunts squeezing me tighter than anything I've ever felt before. It's keffing bliss. Oh, she breathes. That's what your spur does. What? Her hand slides down my stomach, 
and she reaches between us, demonstrating. Her fingers trace the short length of my spur and where it ends. It's pressing alongside the little button of her clit that's so sensitive. Interesting. I rock my hips, thrusting up against her, and her eyes flutter shut as a primal sound escapes her throat. Oh, God! Now that's more like it. We build a rhythm, our bodies coming together awkwardly as we try to figure the other out. She's small, and I worry I'm going to hurt her, even as she drives her hips down on my cock, demanding more than I'm giving her. The little tease tries to take control. And even though she's seated atop me, I grip her hips and show her that I'm the one in charge of her pleasure. Her breathing quickens, and her moans become more and more frequent. I drive into her, thrusting into the tight heat of her cunt, and each time she cries out, her hand spasming against my chest. Your spur, she says over and over again. Dear God, your spur. I think she likes it. I can feel her tightening around my cock, the clasp of her body driving me to the edge. I grab a handful of her glossy dark hair and wrap it around my hand, trapping her against me as surely as my hand on her hip and my cock spearing her cunt do. My little one, I tell her and nip at her throat again. My beautiful mate, my Leilani. She comes with a cry when I say her name, and her channel shudders around me, squeezing me so tight that I come too. My seed pours into her, my release blinding me with the intensity of it. I've never come so hard or so fast. By the time I can catch my breath, I realize she's panting against me, and our thighs are sticky with my release. I shift my weight, and she moans again, rocking wetly down on my length again, as if greedy for more. And suddenly, I am too. I kiss her pretty golden brown neck, unable to stop touching her, stop tasting her. I'm going to take her home to our bed and fill her cunt with my seed again. And then I'm going to lick her sweet folds clean of any trace of my claiming and do it all over again. Her hand curls against the front of my tunic and she sighs, then snuggles up against me. This female. I still can't believe she's mine. You could have left me, Leilani. Hmm? She lifts pleasure-sated eyes to gaze at me, questioning. You could have left me at the compound. Let them dump me back on Haven. Got yourself someone that's not a criminal. She reaches up and touches my mouth, her fingers skimming over my lips. You're a prisoner of war, remember? That's different. And even if you were a criminal, it doesn't matter. You're good to me. You treat me like I'm a person and you respect me. You could have hurt me, robbed me, raped me, and instead you were good to me. You never pushed, even when I wanted you to. I want you, Tassar. You're the only person I could see being truly happy with. I know it's too early to declare love. Is it? Because you've been mine since the moment I saw you. I take her hand and press a kiss to the palm. 
I like this human kissing. It feels good. Right. Just like Leilani does. The moment I looked at you, I knew you were everything for me. I don't need to wait to know that I love you. Her eyes shine with happiness. Really? Really. You've given me so much, she says softly, and then wraps her arms around my neck, her expression growing both mischievous and full of need. Now give me your baby. And I do. And we're back. Hey. Hey, you you look hey. you guys look great. Did, did we tell you that? <laughs> okay, so Prison Planet Barbarian by Ruby Dixon is free. It's normally $2.99, but it's and it's a standalone, so definitely jump on that deal right away. Um you met Chloe and Jatari in the first chapter of this book when she's ready. So yeah. Prison Planet Barbarian free. She has a couple of new releases. One is called Pretty Human. It's part of the Pretty Woman series that Alexa Riley and a bunch of other authors have been doing. It's 99 cents in KU. She also has a book out this week called Bound to the Battle God, which is kind of on the longer side, more of like an epic slow burn. So if, and it's fantasy. So it's, if that's something you like, it sounds amazing. I would definitely go jump on that. And she's giving away a six month subscription for Audible. And she's giving away 10 ebook copies, reader's choice, winner's choice. So yeah, all those links are below in the episode description. And if you can't find them there, some people can't, just follow us on social media like Facebook or Instagram, post stuff all week with all these links. So and also you could sign up for our newsletter. We put it out twice a week with all the links. So did you guys want to your series wrap this week? The Pretty Woman series, right? Yes. There's five books total. They each have like the same lookish cover, but they're just different colors, and they're all like a rags to rich stories. And there's five. I'm. I'll put it in the newsletter. I'm sure we'll post it up now that they're all out for everybody to see. Yes. Awesome. All right, guys. That's it for Ruby Dixon week. Thank you, Ruby, for being on the podcast. That was really amazing. I'm sure everybody's going and clicking all the Ruby Dixon right now. And I we'll know be- I am. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> we'll be back next week with Avery Flynn. She is coming by with a novella called Balls Out and it's about about oh that cover is beautiful (laughs) oh my god it's so pretty it's about a woman who is going to serve her husband with divorce papers while he's in the middle of professional um professional baseball like spring training camp so Mm -hmm. um it's gonna be lots of fun Avery's got a really good sense of humor so you're gonna enjoy it yeah I'm excited okay Leah tell him what to do fuck your day up make today your bitch don't be a dick